Rhino, do you, do you smell that? Do you smell it's it's fresh cut grass? Can you hear that in the background? It's the sound of baseballs popping into catcher's mitts. It'll, this is it'll, the greatest time of year, buddy. Catchers uh, and pitchers report. I was going to say, too, it also smells like optimism, Chad. It smells uh, like we have an opportunity to really just get things off to a great start in 2020 as the Chicago Cubs are getting ready to enter spring training once again. Next year is here. Pitchers and catchers report. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the bullpen. We're going to talk about who the ace is, who's the number five. We're going to talk about all the issues around Chris Bryant and much more. Yeah, and of course, we'll always talk about our SIU Salukis and a couple of things happening on that front. Plus, our guest this week is Cheryl Ray Scott from WBEZ Radio, Chicago Public Radio. She's been around a long time covering the Cubs and the White Sox and the Bulls and the Blackhawks. We're going to get her insight. So stick around. The Friendly Confine starts right, right now. now. First inning now, Chad, and of course, when we last recorded, Chris Bryant's grievance had not been settled yet. The team has now settled his grievance, and he was awarded over $18 million. He has also been uh, deemed that he will be under contract through the 2021 season. However, that does not stop the Cubs' possible interest in trading Chris Bryant and seeing if they can potentially get more value for him and get better prospects or players in return. So should Chris Bryant be on the block? That is how we kick off our first inning. Where do you go on this? You know, you and I have had some talks offline on this, and I think it made a lot more sense. I think this is a great discussion for 2021. It made a lot more sense when the grievance was up in the air and we weren't quite sure if the Cubs would have control of him for two two seasons or one. And and the Cubs have him through next season. So so this is if you think of like what the Red Sox are trying to do with Mookie Betts, you know, try to get some value, try to turn around and and uh, and and get a, a haul and and help with the the salary numbers. I think it makes a lot of sense for next year. I don't see how it makes a lot of sense for the front office this year. And here's why: a couple reasons. One, two years of control, and also Chris has had two down years. So we're not necessarily going to see this as selling at a high point and getting a big haul. I think. Um, the value isn't there. So I think you let Chris play out this season. He knows he's got to show it off this season. Um, and then he's going to be much more valuable next year for these discussions. What do you think? I think that this is going to be a year where the Cubs hold on to him, at least for the first half of the year to see, as you said, how he plays because we've had the down years recently. If the Cubs find themselves out of the playoff race and the trade deadline is nearing, and he is putting up decent numbers, then is that's the time where I feel like one of these teams could potentially swoop in and say, hey, we need a Chris Bryant for this push in the postseason. Maybe the Cubs would be able to get more. So right now, I think you stand pat. I think you got to play out the year. And then I think you got to figure it out to see where you're at once the season is at the halfway point, And then you make that decision from there. So let's move on to the second inning now. And uh, this is a topic that you and I had more discussions about offline. And will these Bryant proposed potential trade rumors even remotely be a distraction in the clubhouse for this team? I can kick us off and say that I do think there will be something to it to some degree. Anthony Rizzo was already on the radio in Chicago talking about the fact that he doesn't want Chris Bryant traded, understandably so, and that he would be upset if the team decided to trade Chris Bryant. 
I don't know how it's going to play out in the locker room. Certainly, there is going to be, whether it's talked about just by the media or not, there is going to be that ism out there that is going to kind of be the story throughout spring training. I know you think differently, but where do you stand on this? Well, I, I appreciate where Anthony's coming from, and I know there's a lot of fan base that they're, they're, they're going every which way. People want the value now because they have big eyes. They think that, that something's, you know, something big is going to come in return. And others just think Chris is untouchable. I think it, you know, it's really hard to make demands about who your teammates are going to be when you when you whimper in like they did last year. I think the distraction this year is can this team actually put it together? I mean, in 2015, we were talking about a dynasty. In 2015, we were talking about multiple championships. You know, in 2015, we were talking about core four, core five guys that were going to lead us to the promised land for many, many years. It's 2020. I think that's a distraction more than anything. I don't think Chris Bryant, I think as, as Theo Epstein shared in the offseason, everybody's touchable. Nobody's untouchable. And this is a great example of that. And Chris Bryant, I think the distraction for him is he's got to show something. He's got to step up his game this year. Yep, absolutely. So let's move on to the third inning and talking about stepping up their game. USA Today came out with their win-loss projections for the upcoming season. The Cubs coming in at 82 wins, which is basically where they were at last year uh, when the projections came out. The Cubs go on to win 84 games. They were finished uh, or rather projected to finish behind the Cardinals and the Reds, um, but surprisingly ahead of the Brewers, which I found interesting. Um, but nonetheless, Chad, is this team, do you have the over, the under, or do you think they're going to finish at 82 wins into 2020? I mean, it's 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 bewildering to think that this is how far it, it's fallen. Um, you know, on one hand, that's a f- uh, over 500 team, so, you know, you're a longtime Cubs fan, you know, nothing but winning seasons is a good thing, but you certainly don't want to finish in the middle of the pack and, and be over, over 500, you know, in terms of the over and under, I, I feel like this team is going to overperform. So many things have to happen differently um, that, that happened last year. I mean, the team has to stay healthy. Um, you know, I'm so glad that the Addison Russell distraction is gone. That, that was a huge impact. You know, they had such uncertainty at second base, you know, my biggest concerns, they are going to lead to what the win total looks like is who's going to take over that, that center field position, um, what's the starting lineup, which we're going to talk about that, the rotation going to, to fan out. In terms of, of how this team is going to perform, you know, pitchers and catchers, as we've said, are, are, are reporting here uh, um, in, in, uh, this, this coming week, and, and that's the beauty of baseball. Nobody flipping knows how it's going to, how it's going to play out. Yeah, and, and you hit it on the head. I mean, health is going to be the overall factor with this team. Last year, we saw this team decimated by injuries from Bryant to Rizzo to Baez. I mean, their top guys were all down at one point or another throughout the year. And it just was not a a team that was able to stay healthy. And this is a year where if this team has to stay healthy, they have to have good years, and the pitching staff has to really perform at a level that we have seen them perform at um, prior seasons. Uh, If we don't see that, listen, the Cardinals aren't going away. The Reds look like this team that is really going to be a team to reckon with. And, you know, say what you will about the Brewers. They didn't do much this offseason, but they still have arguably the best player in baseball, you know, on that team, along with some other really solid hitters. So um, the Cubs have their work cut out for them. I really would like to think that there is still a lot of talent on this team, um, both in the rotation, the bullpen and in the lineup. Um, So I'm going to take the over just because I really do believe they will win more than 82. But again, I don't know how many more games they'll win than 82 so with you that, know what we, I, you know what i like ryan out real quick not to interrupt you is just to say what i appreciate about this year and about what could be possible 
is I like this team playing better as underdogs versus the, 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 the gilded ones versus the one that expected to win a hundred games. I like, I feel like there's less pressure on them to perform a la 2015. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see if that is something that will allow them to be a little more relaxed going into yeah. the year. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. the fourth inning now, Chad and, uh, Pitchers and catchers are finally about to report. What are you most looking forward to as we open camp here in 2020 with pitchers and catchers about to walk through those gates? Buddy, all I'm looking forward to, all I want is what you just said. Pitchers and catchers are reporting. Are there are there more beautiful words in the English language than pitchers and catchers reporting? It just means there's hope. It just means there's opportunity to to um, to listen to Pat Hughes every single day. You know, for the next nine months, I couldn't be happier about uh, or eight months rather. I this is the best time of year. You know, it's spring training. Everybody has a chance. Um, you know, what I'm looking forward to is just just having baseball being a part of our lives again on a daily basis. You know that um, that that's that's my favorite thing is to have Pat Hughes on the on the speakers in my house, in my home office and and seeing a lot of games at Wrigley and seeing games on the road. What are well, you looking to, forward to this? Yeah, year? to piggyback off of just what you said, I mean, the fact that when you hear pitchers and catchers reporting, it means that spring is right around the corner. It means that summer is not far behind and it means that baseball season is really officially here. Uh, the NFL season is over. You really have that, you know, that kind of change from one sport to the other to know that we are here and we are ready to begin the opening of the 2020 season. And as, as we always say, hope springs eternal with the mm. Cubs. And it is a time where we can wipe away what happened in 2019, start anew and try to kind of get back on track and have a fresh start to the season. Everybody starts at zero and zero now. And now this is a time where you said, the Cubs are kind of coming in as underdogs, which I think is a, a safe thing to say and a, and a fair point. Now is the time for this team to kind of come in, prove the critics wrong and say, hey, maybe you guys shouldn't be closing the door on us just yet. Yeah. So with that, Chad, let us move on to the fifth inning. And we go to a beefed up bullpen with this new Chicago Cubs team. Yeah, and you know we're we're starting a, a new uh, a, a new part of the program where we're asking folks on our Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines headquarters Facebook page to post questions, and we got a great one from Michael Blair, longtime Friendly Confines uh, uh, member. Um, he asked, "We're putting a lot of assumptions on Kimbrel being himself and Morrow, which we haven't even talked about Morrow because he's on a minor league deal, being healthy, which would make a world of difference. But without Strope, what's the plan for the seventh inning or earlier?" Um, especially if Chatwood is back in the rotation. So what do you think about that, Ryan? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, it's a great question. And I mean, right now, if I had to figure it out and say, who are the Cubs going to be relying on? I think Jeremy Jeffress, who the Cubs signed from the Brewers, who had a pretty brutal 2019 season. I think this team is really hoping he is going to kind of be the guy that replaces Pedro Strope. Um, you know, they the, the Cubs went out, uh, obviously they, you know, re-signed Rowan Wick, and they have Kyle Ryan, and uh, they brought in a, a Ryan Tempera, uh, and hoping that Kimbrel is able to bounce back. But that is kind of the hope for this team, that a guy like a Jeremy Jeffress, who you probably don't know a hell of a lot about, um, but he is going to be that guy that steps into that role and is able to kind of spell relief in the seventh and eighth inning as the setup guy for when Kimbrel comes in in the ninth. What about you? Well, I mean, there are a lot of new faces, and this is one thing that I'll give a lot of credit to the Cubs front office. They 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 find those arms that they think they can tweak. They they find the velocity numbers that they think they could take advantage of, and and uh, and and put into positions and leverage situations where they 
um, will excel. So I think the front office has done a nice job with that. We saw examples of that last year. You know, the thing that uh, that that I'm most excited about is if we're going to put credence in the fact that there's this projection for the Cubs to win low 80s, let's also take credence to the fact that the projections for Craig Kimbrell is a top 15 pitcher. Um, all the projections are showing they expect him to have a tremendous bounce back year and be a world beater. And so if that happens, I mean, that answers so many questions that we had uh, last year as a team with the lack of like a true closer um, that was dominant from start to finish. And I, I got to tell you, Morrow could have went to a lot of different places. And, and for those that just, you know, Morrow came over and never was quite healthy, but he was had dominant stuff two years, a couple years of, of injuries. If he is healthy and if he can regain his form, we may see a, a two-headed monster there in the back of the bullpen. So I've got a lot of hope for that. And it's interesting. I mean, whether it's going to be Alzea or we're going to talk about the, the rotation in a little bit or Chatwood or um, others, you know, we don't know if Maples, you know, who is going to step up and be the guy because others may actually latch on and become the number five starter. Um, but I, I, I like the, the makeup of arms. I'm more excited about the bullpen than I think I am um, anywhere else in, in, in the Cubs team. Well, because I think that there's the opportunity to see what could be potentially new for this team, right? Because yeah. we know what the rotation is. We know what the lineup is. We've seen that before. The bullpen is going to be a little bit of a different makeup because of the newness of it and yeah. because of the bounce back year that we could potentially see from Craig Kimbrell uh, if he stays healthy. So sixth inning now, Chad, let us talk about that starting rotation. Yeah, we've got another question. This is from Lisa Patel, longtime listener and and uh, uh, just a huge Cubs fan, one of my favorite Cubs fans. And and big shout out to Lisa. She is now a, a member of the ranks of the the Chicago Cubs season ticket holder. So congrats, Lisa. And she had a very simple question on the Facebook page. She wrote, fifth starter? Question mark. That's her question. What do you think, Ryan? And and then also, and I'll I'll put a question on top of that for you. Who's also our ace now? Is it still John Lester? Yeah, well, I mean, good question. So let's go with part one first. Who is the fifth starter? Well, there's two guys that I think you can look at that would probably be the most obvious choice right now, unless somebody kind of blows everybody away in spring training. But going into spring training, I got to think that the first guy is going to be Tyler Chatwood that they're going to look at and think, okay, he's a guy who we initially thought was going to be our number five starter a couple of seasons ago, had some control issues, but also Alec Mills might be a guy that yes. they look at and say, okay, maybe he's going to be the guy that, you know, comes through the ranks and decides they're going to put him in that spot. I don't think David Ross knows right now. I think that this is what spring training is going to be about for the Cubs is to try and figure out who is going to ultimately be the number five starter. As far as the ace goes, who is the ace of this team? Man, that is a tough question. I mean, listen, after we, what we saw from last year, I, I mean, I guess you got to go with Hugh Darvish right now as the Cubs yeah. ace. What say you? Well, you know, two questions there, right? I, I think our, our, our ace absolutely is Hugh Darvish. And, and the confidence that he acquired um, in the offseason by the Astros cheating scandal, um, the fact that he wasn't tipping his pitches. I mean, imagine the basket caseness of, of just knowing, thinking that you blew the World Series because you, 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 your mechanics were so off that, that they knew what was coming versus what we all know now is the Astros are a pathetic organization that, that cheated to win a national, win a World Series. So I liked the boost that he's going to get. And you said it before. He finished the season so flipping strong. He looked like a man on a mission, high strikeouts, um, you know, a lot of pitches, really just, just a strong guy. So I've got him as the ace, you know, for the opening day starter. 
it's a great question whether it's going to be Lester, you know, from a respect mode. I think you give him one more shot. You let him let him do it. But we'll, but we'll see how it, it, it plays out. I like what you said about Mills, you know, sliding into that spot. You know, Chatwood has a lot of money riding on him and they spend a lot of money and they certainly would like to get number three, number four stuff out of a number five. And Chatwood pitched like that when he came in in his spot start role uh, at times and also those long relief roles. So I like I like his uh, his opportunity. But then also we've got Alzule um, as the guy that, that we you know, we expect to, to slot in as a number two or a number three in the future. So a lot of questions there about who the fifth starter is going to be. And I think I think we're going to see a lot of arms. Um, you know, my only hope and I said it in the first inning, just be healthy, guys, be healthy. Give this team a chance to win. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the friendly confines. And we are very excited about our seventh inning stretch conductor this week. Longtime sports reporter, over 35 years in the Chicago market. You can currently find her at WBEZ, Chicago Public Radio, 91.5 FM. Please welcome Cheryl Ray Stout to the friendly confines. Cheryl, welcome to the friendly confines with Ryan and Chad. How you doing? Thank you very much. Uh, it's fun to be with you. It is uh, great to have you. And uh, let's just jump right into it, Cheryl. Of course, uh, this has been an interesting offseason for the Cubs as this team gets ready for pitchers and catchers to report and then soon enough spring training. Um, I guess the biggest news in the offseason was the fact that Chris Bryant lost his arbitration case and therefore he still is under contract for another two years. So at this point, there are lots of rumors going around that he could potentially get traded to the Yankees. Yankees or the Nationals or the Braves best case scenario for Chris Bryant and for the team is it to trade him or is it to keep him and try to resign him once his contract's up I think it would be best to keep him however the Cubs are in a situation where they're trying to get rid of some salary in the long run and so they're going to probably I don't know if they're going to trade him now the the, the grievance helped them because they have two years of control for a team that wants him, they could get more prospects for a Chris Bryant. But you know, you just don't always have a player like that. You know, they're not—they're not always going to be coming from a prospect. It's just—it's just unfathomable that they would think about trading him at this point. But the Ricketts have told everybody, you know, the luxury tax—they want to get out of that. So it becomes a tough—a tough sell for Theo Epstein to have to make a deal for him and then have to go to the fans to say why he has to do it. Yeah, and and with that being said, and we're talking to Cheryl Ray Stout of WBEZ Radio, Chicago Public Radio 91.5. You can find Cheryl on Twitter as well, at C. Ray Stout, so be sure to check her out there. She's a great follow. Um, if the Cubs do trade Chris, Brian, they're essentially kind of waving the white flag, right? I mean, it's almost like we're retooling this year and for the future and, and not necessarily going to be able to contend in 2020. Is that how you would pro- probably look at that as well? Yeah, I do. I, I look at them, especially when you look at what they have left. Now, they have some, they have some terrific players. You've got a Javi Baez, you've got Anthony Rizzo. But the, then you're filling holes with players that, you know, uh, Stephen Souza. You know, you're filling holes that you should be able to fill with better players. Their minor league system at this point is ranked 20th overall. So you're not, you don't see this, you know, pipeline of prospects coming up to replace anybody right now. So they're in, they're in a, a state of flux as far as I look at it. And you also look at their starting pitching. You know, they have some good starters, 
But do they have great starters at this point? You Darvish is the only one you can put in that category. So they've got some real interesting decisions to make at this point. And to say, I, I call it maybe they're trying to retool, but no, they're going to have to maybe go into a rebuild if this if they don't see anything better than a 500 record this year. As the team is currently constructed, Cheryl, do you think they're even the best team in the NL Central still, or is that long gone at this point? I think they're going to be middle of the pack if they're lucky. You look what the Reds did. Now, the Reds, you know, they, they made some crazy uh, signings, you know, but they have been able to beat the Cubs the, the last couple of years. And you look at what St. Louis has been able to do, and, and Milwaukee is still, you know, they, neither team made some, Nobody made some big moves except for Cincinnati, but the Cubs were the ones that were looking from the outside in when it came to the playoffs last year, and I think it's going to be the same this year. Yeah, yeah, and USA Today came out with their predictions of one-loss records for MLB teams, and they had 82 wins for the Cubs. You like the over or the under on that? Or is it 82 wins, I guess, is the better question, right? I'm thinking thinking around 83, maybe 84, if they're lucky. But, you know, the, the whole thing... Also, you have to factor in, you have a rookie manager that's never managed before. You know, that's going to be an interesting situation for David Ross. Yes, you know, he's going to be a different than Joe, but Joe Madden was part of the engine that made that team go the last few years. Maybe they were starting to tune him out a little bit, but you're, you're putting the keys in the hands of somebody that's never done it before, and that also adds to the questions of what this team can or cannot do this year. Cheryl, we had Carl Ravitch on as our last guest a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, Carl and David Ross were partners in the booth at ESPN. So I kind of, you know, picked his brain a little bit about Rossi and the fact that he, you know, is has close relationships with these players. How is it going to work out for him now that he is the manager? And, and in Carl Ravitch's words, he said Rossi is a quote-unquote hard ass, that he can really mm-hmm. get on these guys. Do you think he could be potentially a better fit at this point in time for this team than Joe Madden even was? Yeah, I think it can be for the veteran players because he's not afraid to get in their faces. I was talking to David just two weeks ago, and like with him and his, his John Lester relationship, he has no problems getting in his face, Anthony Rizzo, plays like that. But if you don't have all the tools in your toolbox, can you really see what type of manager he is? And, and that's the question that has to be raised at this point. I think David Ross, I, I, when, when, you, when you covered him, as a player, you could see he was managerial potential. Absolutely no doubt about it. Smart, knew the base, knew what was going on on the field in every facet. But you're you're in the limelight of a major city, of a, a fandom that has got their one championship and they want more. And when we look at the fact that they didn't sign any big free agents, they didn't retain any of their free agents, that makes you wonder, like, well, what does he have left to manage? Yeah. We're talking with Cheryl Ray Stout of WBEZ Radio, longtime sports reporter. And of course, you can find her on Twitter at C. Ray Stout. So be sure to check her out there. Um, Cheryl, there's been so much talk of the lack of moves that we kind of previously alluded to here in the interview. And the Ricketts are talking about basically saying they, they have spent all the money they have. They cannot go over the luxury tax. And I guess do fans have that right now to really be upset because here the Ricketts are opening up the marquee network and this is kind of their version of the yes network that the Yankees have that allows them to have 
all that extra money to sign big players. And, of course, the Ricketts creating this whole new world around Wrigleyville with restaurants and hotels. You would think there would just be this flush amount of cash coming into this organization, and yet we're not seeing that being brought back onto the field. So I suppose... In your in your words, be it that you see this uh, more closely than I do, that you know there's an understanding why fans are so irate right now with how the organization is handling um, just everything on the field as it comes to kind of the disparity of money, so to speak. Yeah, and the fans have a right to be upset because they're the ones that actually pay the bills. Realistically, when they come in the the gates and pay for the money for their tickets, and those, and those ticket prices aren't going down because they're not spending money. And so there, there's also, when you, when you look at the marquee situation, over 50%, 50% of the Chicago area will not be getting marquee right now because they don't have a deal with Comcast. Now, that could be taken care of short in short order. In fact, the first game that's supposed to be aired is February 22nd when they actually begin the marquee, and so something should be done by then. But you've got fans very upset even about that. At the Cub convention, Tom Ricketts stood up in front of his fans at his convention, and he, was, he, he brought up Marquis, and he was booed. I mean, booed loudly, and he was surprised at that reaction. And he should not have been surprised. They should have done the research to re- realize the fans are not happy about it. And, and, and you, you think about it, Ryan, is that people in Chicago have not paid for, for uh, WGN. And now they don't have that ability to have a, you know, a, a station that was free. So it's, it's going to be hard for the fans to reconcile with that. Also, when you think about work, actually people are calling it Ricketsville now instead of Ricketsville sure. around the park. But when, when you look at around there, the casual fan no longer feels welcome because they cannot afford to go to the games. And that's going to be a problem. And the other thing is when you are building a new network like that, it should have coincided with the rise of the team, and it didn't happen that way. I think their timing is misplaced right now. That's a great point. You're 100% on with that. That is an excellent point. Well, let's put it this way now, that you're talking about the fact that Marquis is not going to be in 50% of the homes. Dare I say it, Cheryl, would the White Sox potentially be getting more publicity this year, especially with all the moves they've made, yep. more ink, so to speak, than the Cubs this summer? They have had the biggest buzz in winter that I haven't heard in a long time, more than the Cubs. It's a much more positive. If you were to take a, if you were to take a meter, you know, which way, the, for, the, for the Cub fans, it would be, you know, we're not happy. For the White Sox fans, we're very happy. Right. So it, it's, it's an interesting scenario right now. Uh, although everything's done on paper, we haven't seen them on the field. But, yeah, they, they are attracting fans. And I, when I was at the White Sox convention, there was Cub fans I know that were there because they're going, you know what? We want to see a team that could be possibly winning this year. So it's going to be an interesting scenario as far as that goes. Um, it's a big battle always for media attention. I go to both parks equally, so you know I, I can actually honestly say I know both teams very well. But the White Sox have always been the second fiddle in this town, and it's unfortunate, but this year it may change. Yeah, absolutely. Cheryl Ray Stout, longtime sports reporter. She's on WBEZ, Chicago Public Radio, 91.5 FM. You can find her there. You can also find her on Twitter, at C. Ray Stout. Cheryl, thank you so, so much for joining us here on the Friendly Confines. We would love to have you back. Thank you for uh, dealing with all the shenanigans <laughs> that we had to put you through today, but we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Anytime, Ryan. Thank you. 
Our thanks to Cheryl Ray Stout from WBEZ Radio, Chicago Public Radio. So good to catch up with her. Man, she's like a national treasure in that yeah. city. I mean, yeah. she's been around for so long and obviously knows that city just as well as anybody. Had some great insights. So it was great to catch up with her. And of course, as we talked about her Twitter handle, you can follow our Twitter handles. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan D. Lieber, and you can find Chad at Cubs Confines. Of course, we always want to hear from you, and that's the easiest way as well to find our podcast, too. And also make sure if you're not already a member of the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook headquarters on Facebook, obviously, just search for Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines on Facebook and you'll find us. Um, great place, uh, not only for the latest in uh, um, you know, daily uh, daily news uh, uh, reaction, uh, uh, fun posts. Uh, it's very fan friendly. Um, also opportunities as well for Cubs tickets as well, because we've got a couple um, Cubs season ticket holders that uh, have access to seats and they always sell them for face value. So really fun place as well. Eighth inning now. And Chad, of course, the coaching staff is going to have some changes. Of course, when you have a new manager, such as David Ross, you're going to bring in guys that you want on your bench and uh, certainly the bullpen and base coaches, the the whole nine yards. And um, the biggest one that I think for me that I've noticed is Andy Green, who I know yeah. you're a little familiar with, be it that you live in the San Diego area and he was the manager of the Padres the last couple of seasons. So is there anyone on the coaching staff to you that maybe stands out that you think is a nice addition for this Cubs coaching staff? You know, there's a lot of familiar faces, but then a, uh, and then a handful of really, you know, a lot of new faces. Like you talked about Andy Green. I, I think the real value here is with, you know, David Ross coming in, his role as a manager is to is to motivate the team, is to set the direction of the team, is to build a culture of accountability that I think I don't think we've quite maybe seen. I'm not really, you know, if I could speak to that, but I would just say, you know, his job is going to be tough enough as the the head of it. And the staff he's put together, I think, is, is interesting. And the fact that Andy Green, you know, who managed the Padres the last four seasons, you know, he's been at the helm. He's been on the throne. So he's going to help him in in-game decisions and and prep. And he's probably going to have some great ideas at spring training. So, you know, I'm excited about um, about seeing the stamp that they put on that. You know, same pitching coach, same hitting coach. You know, uh, we've got different guys on, on, on a couple of the bases. I think Venable is back. Um, but in terms of the one I'm excited about is the quality assurance coach. And I think that's kind of the wild card there with Mike Napoli, who I think wants to be a manager at some point. And this is his first season on a, on a major league coaching staff. So I think he's going to instill some energy and, and a little bit of swagger that we saw during the, the 2015 or 2016 World Series, rather. And um, I just think that it's it's this is this is the team that David Ross is going to need to be on their game so he can be on his game. Yeah, and I think when uh, you talk about Green, you talk about a guy, as you mentioned, has that major league experience and to be a manager of a team. Uh, Ross has already given Green the keys as far as putting together the spring training regimen. And uh, I know that that is really going to be kind of Andy Green's baby this year. A lot of one-on-one connections with the players to kind of be – uh, you know, more in touch with them and understanding the importance of defense and, and just really getting on them uh, this spring training so that uh, we don't see some of the uh, repercussions of what we saw last year when it comes to some of the mental errors that we saw yeah. during games throughout the season. So let us move on to the ninth inning, and we're going to change gears just slightly a little bit here. Of and we can do people- that. We can yeah. do that. We have been unabashedly Salukis throughout all 
you know, the hundreds of episodes we've done, we are Salukis, if nothing else. Many of our many of our fantastic media personalities we've had on the show, former Saluki. So I, I, am, I have no issues going off script for the ninth inning. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, as you had mentioned, Chad and I are both proud graduates of Southern Illinois University. We have listeners that are SIU grads and people that do listen know we went to SIU. We are certainly very proud of that. And of course, I just want to give a couple of shout outs. First off, to uh, Derek Shelton, who is now the newest manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Derek Shelton, former baseball player for Southern Illinois University. He uh, is the first Saluki to ever manage at the big league level. So that is pretty cool to see um, and something that we can uh, certainly take stock in. It's always cool to see fellow Salukis that make it to the top. And now we are finally seeing uh, Derek Shelton, who has put in a lot of time and effort. He was with the Minnesota Twins last season as a bench coach. He is uh, now has that opportunity to uh, manage at the uh, major league level, and he's going to be right in the NL Central with Pittsburgh. So that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. The second shout-out, and, and Chad, as I'm done, I certainly want to hear your views on, on both of these items, but second shout-out to the Southern Illinois University men's basketball team. They are victorious back. again. They are in second place in the Missouri Valley Conference at 9-3, and three, trailing Northern Iowa with an amazing win against Southwest Missouri State, winning at the buzzer to beat the Bears at home. And I'll tell you what, this is Brian Mullen's first season as head coach of the Salukis. Um, this was a team that nobody expected to be at the top of the standings. And now this is a team in this coach's first year, Brian Mullen's former SIU uh, guard. He was on the Sweet 16 team back in 2007 um, in one season. I mean, there's no doubt he's going to be coach of the year in the Missouri Valley Conference in one season has turned this team around and and is now in a position to if SIU can win the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, which they have an excellent shot of doing, um, they are going back to the NCAA Tournament. Even if they don't get there, what a great turnaround by this basketball team. And so it is great to see uh, the SIU basketball program back in a position where they can contend making the NCAA tournaments. Big shout outs. Congratulations to Derek. You're right. It's going to be exciting to see him several times as we, we, you know, the Cubs take on the pirates often throughout the season. And, you know, what else can you say about the Salukis? If you're not listening to the online broadcast with Mike Reese, if, if you are a Saluki fan or former alumni or uh, current alumni, rather, definitely listen. You know, I'm interested in basketball again. I grew up just south of Champaign, and you know who else is playing really well other than the recent loss um, to Maryland? The, the fighting Illini. I mean, there's yep. excitement in Illinois um, on the basketball court, which is really cool. And you know what? I'm going to be pretty excited about that for another couple more weeks. And, and then once March Madness is over, Ah, oh, Clark and Addison, here I come. <laughs> well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Friendly Confines. Our thanks once again to Cheryl Ray Scott from WBEZ Radio. Of course, always thankful for Chad and uh, everything that we do to bring you um, the latest in Cubs news and the latest guests. So we will talk to you next time on the Friendly Confines, everybody. Spring training is here. We'll talk to you soon. We'll see you in Mesa, everybody. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're a field the first time you walk into Wrigley Field
game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field The first time you walk into Wrigley 